The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Big crowd here today at Dover. They are on their feet for the 103rd time here at the Dover International Speedway. We are cup racing and the green flag is out. Travel up in turn number three. Eric Almarola up and into the outside wall. Boy, he hit it a ton. Pit road is open, the leaders are in. You guys talked about the top pit crew in NASCAR. Alex Bowman wins the battle off from pit road. Green flag goes back in the air. Slow trouble off turn two. Pit road is open, but not everybody comes in. Cars that stayed out. Alex Bowman, race leader. Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, Kevin Harvick, and William Byron. And the green flag is back out. Bowman gets away in a hurry. Chase Elliott did not get going, but one driver that did is Kyle Larson. He is all over the back of Alex Bowman out of turn two. Matter of fact, he'll pull to the inside on the back straightaway. Bowman throws the block. Larson's there. Larson's going to drive him at the racetrack. Bowman's got to be saying thank you, Kevin Harvick, because Kyle Larson had the wick turned up to 10 as far as the heat on the back bumper of Bowman. And Alex Bowman is getting ready to put his name on the winner's board here at the Monster Mile. You guys, big crew, you won that race, not me. So proud of you guys. Hell yeah. You know, if we don't beat the five off pit road, we probably don't don't beat them in the race. So it's cool to win a race that you can really point back to them and say, say there who got it done. And Hey everybody, welcome to NASCAR America Motor Miles Edition. Kyle Petty, Steve McCarr, myself, Jeff Burton. Hey, well guys, let's just bring our buddy Jack Collinsworth in. Let's go ahead and get it right into the show. Jack's going to be joining us uh, for a few races this year. So, Jack, talk to us about Dover. What'd you see? Well, fellas, I appreciate it. I want to take it straight off that intro video there. Start with the MVPs of the weekend, if we can. It was right after that Almirola wreck. A lightning Alex Bowman pit stop. Steve, I want to start with you. This pit crew has been unbelievable all year, but how clutch was it to have that kind of a moment in a race-defining point right around lap 300 or so? Well, I think that's the key, right? Every pit crew guy um, is kind of, you know, when you're a kid, Kyle, and you drill the basketball around in your driveway, and you think you're making the game-winning shot, yeah. game seven of the NBA Finals. Well, pit crew guys are no different, right? Those early mornings in the gym, the early mornings of pit practice to finally think they have a chance to affect the outcome of a race in a positive way. Because, you know, they always get credit when they mess up. Yeah. And this is really the tale of great performance, not lack of performance. When I go back and look at the tape and look at the numbers, Jeff, it wasn't Kyle Larson struggling with a pit stop. It was the 48 of Alex Bowman having the fastest pit stop to date of the season yeah. in the most crucial time. So that's really what it comes down to, Jack, in my mind, is, uh, you know, guys stepping up in the biggest moment. And those are the guys you want. It's easy to train and practice, but you know as well as anybody, game speed is different. So if you got to perform in the game time, that's the most important time. And, and Jeff, I want to kick it to you, because how, how likely do you think it would have been that Bowman would have been able to pass Larson without the spark that he got from his pit crew right there towards the end? 
I don't think he would have been able to pass him. I, I thought we saw all day long that, that it was very difficult to pass. Dover's, a di Dover's always been difficult to pass. Always. So nothing, nothing new. We talk about, you know, different aero packages or whatever. Dover's always been a difficult racetrack to pass on, Jack. And to me, um, those cars were just so equal. I mean, yeah. I, know, I know Kyle Larson yeah. led most of the race, and it looked like he had a dominant car, but there just wasn't track position that, 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 yeah. was, that Bowman had, right? And so as soon as you would see the Bowman give a clean air, he could run the same speed as, 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 as uh, Larson. So track position was king, and, and that's nothing new. I mean, track position at Dover has always been important. But, yeah, without the lead, uh, without the lead <laughs> it would have been very difficult to make that pass. And for Hendrick Motorsports, they just lock up the podium and then plus one to go one, two, three, four. All the drivers showed up this week. So why was it Dover? Why was Dover the track where everything came together for that team? Listen, I have no idea. Listen, honestly, as we've watched these cars this year, I think we've seen moments when Lord Byron, when William, sorry, when William Byron has been the guy. You I mean, obviously, we see every week that Kyle Larson is right there knocking at that door, you know, with, with all the second place finishes he's had. And we've seen uh, Chase Elliott and, and Alex Bowman, but we've not seen all four of them rise to the occasion. And it's like all four of them this week in the Monday competition meeting said, hey, we're going to go to Dover and we're going to be the guy. And they argued amongst themselves, and they went up there. And, and I think, Steve, you said it best on the call where you said, whoever gets off pit road first and that, and that stop, whichever Hendrick car gets off first, is your race winner. And I think they proved that by running one, two, three, four, first time it's been done since, what, 05 or something yeah, like since that? I mean, pretty, back yeah, in pretty good. Wow. Um, which, which is incredibly impressive when we look at Penske, SHR, uh, when you look at Gibbs, when you look at the competition that's out there right now, to me, that makes that one, two, three, four more impressive uh, than a lot of other one, two, three, fours we've seen. Yeah, I mean, it's elusive. Uh, it seems to be, I won't say easy, but a lot of effort goes into your best car, your fastest car that day, but it's elusive to get that third or fourth car up into the realm. Yeah. And I think it's fair to say you could ask the Hendrick drivers before the Dover race, hey, how are y'all going to run today? And they wouldn't have said one, three, yeah. three, four. <laughs> no, right? I mean, that's really this new thing. Yeah. We don't practice a qualifying, Jack. I'll be honest. It, handicapping is next to impossible. Although, <laughs> although on the NBC Sports Edge podcast, I did have Alex Bowman as the winner at 22 no to way. 1. So, unfortunately, How would we, pay? we don't gamble on 22 times your money. So I, To you, is, I'm asking, what oh, did yeah, pay you? Nothing. nothing. No, no Not NASCAR action here, but I'm hoping some viewer Not tuned up. in yeah. and put a bet down. Same thing, same thing, just like you said, when you dreamed of making that Game 7 yeah, shot, right. I never made it, never, never made yeah, it to that level. Yeah. I was already out in the first round. <laughs> There, there was that we were talking earlier, fellas, too, about that key restart right around lap 320. I think we said it was. So, Jeff, in your mind's eye, how friendly was Kyle Larson to his fellow teammate and Alex Bowman when he had a little opportunity maybe to make the pass there on the track? What did you see in that moment when they finally maybe the second to last restart, maybe his final chance to go take the lead for Larson? Yeah, that was his best shot. He did a great job of getting a great launch. As soon as they, they got in the restart zone, Kyle Larson was ready, and he timed it exactly right. Now, look, he's already cleared Chase Elliott. Now he's able to go on a full attack mode right here. I mean, oh, it's almost enough groove there. It just wasn't enough. And you can see Larson's not playing nice. I mean, yeah. he's pushing, shoving, yeah. doing whatever he's got to do. And then right here, Bowman's going to get a little bit loose. And just didn't give enough room. A lot of you know a lot of people talked about Kevin Harvick being there, but the fact is, 
uh, Alex Bowman got up the racetrack, but did not get up the racetrack enough. I mean, if you're if you're Larson, you see, <laughs> you know, you see there's a hole there, but it wasn't big enough. I mean, if he goes in there, they're they're banging doors, and it's Dover. Yeah, it's not Martinsville. You start banging doors, at least yeah. one of you's not gonna come okay, out. Okay, so there. let me ask you a question. So it's that's a teammate. So what if that's Kevin Harvick? Where the five car was. What if that's Joey Logano and you open the door seven eighths and and there it is? Do they drive through that door? See, I don't I don't think at Dover you could. I, I think yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think at Dover is too fast. Great. I I I just don't think you can we come out of that people situation. Try, oh yeah. Now listen, <laughs> if it was Martinsville or Richmond yeah, oh, yeah. or somewhere, oh, yeah. you're you're just yeah. driving it up yeah. in there. But it's so fast. I and listen, and I listen. I think we also you and I have been a little bit critical of Kyle Larson, you know, about being able to finish races yeah. and and. That to me is an example of finishing a race. Yeah, right. Exactly. He didn't win it, right? But he also didn't finish 38th. He 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 did not try to do more than he needed to do there. Bowman, give Bowman credit to Bowman. He didn't yeah. give him enough hole yeah. to, to jump into, but Kyle Larson didn't get sucked into making a poor decision. Yeah, yeah and that, that's an example of, of things that you've said. That's an example of Kyle Larson's maturity as a cup driver, becoming a cup driver and not just sticking it in there and trying to make something. Yeah, and Kyle, we mentioned that wreck that led to Bowman's win, really the pit stop that led to Bowman's win. It was Alvarola who shot up there into the wall. What have you seen and heard about what might have happened to his car as his streak of bad luck now continues? No, you know, there's no idea. Um, watching the broadcast, I, I was interested, and in his first comment was, was it a part failure or did I cut a tire? Right. You know what I mean? And 99% and, and of a driver is out there would say, I ran over something, cut a tire. Um, I, I, I don't understand why he, he kind of pitched that out there. But listen, let's take all this stuff out. We're watching the guy get out of the car right there who is having the most miserable time of his life uh, in 2021. From the time we got to Daytona to right now, yeah, he gets to set in these race cars, uh, but nothing's happening for him. Nothing is happening for him. Everything he seems to be doing, uh, or that team is doing, is wrong. And he was in position Sunday. They put themselves in position to kind of turn that corner and have a solid run and have a place, an anchor, a beachhead where they could build from, uh, and it's all for nothing. Well, I think they got to circle the wagons to what you said. Um, they can't change the flat or yeah. the broken material or whatever happened. Maybe something broke, but I, I was with you. Maybe it was a flat yeah. tire. Uh, results are the same regardless. The most important thing is that they didn't blow a tire running 25th or 30th. Exactly. They had a little bit of speed finally. Um, hard to circle that after you've taken such a good hit and say, oh, that was a good day. But yeah. you got to have to find – there are very yeah. few bright spots in the poor 10 cars a year. Well, yeah. maybe – I mean, not the finishing, but maybe the best running day that Stuart Haas has had. True. All True. year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, all of them – Harvick didn't run Harvick great. He ran yeah. well. The all, I think all of them ran well. They had, you know, yeah. issues with Cole Custer with a decent finish. So maybe the best day they've had, not finishing, but it yeah. Oh, yeah. Great point. Great point. Well, fellas, I, I just wanted to get in, chime in for a couple of questions. I got to tell you right now, I'm already missing Charlotte, but I really appreciate you guys having <laughs> me live from Cincinnati. And uh, have a cold drink for me after the show. Enjoy it. Have a great Thank one. you, man. All right, thanks, Jack. We'll Come have on. one on the show for you, man. Yeah, yeah. Why wait? Why wait? <laughs> why do later what you can just do right now? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's it's uh, it's fun having Jack. It's yes, fun it having is. Jack. Come yes, on. We he uh, came to uh, Darlington. Jack and I and Rick went to the Darlington Xfinity race together and watched the race. Uh, it's a lot of fun 
seeing the seeing the sport through Jack's eyes. Yeah, you know, yeah, he cool. has a lot of enthusiasm for it, trying to learn everything about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. But what a what a fun time you know, to go to Darlington, go to the racetrack for the that track for the first time. We walked through the tunnel, all the history. Yeah. Uh, went and watched the race. It was what a what a fun day. It's, it's his enthusiasm for the sport is really cool. Yeah. Like it's really it's fun contagious. to see some. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Cont- for us who get jaded to it, you just get jaded yeah. to hanging out with. You don't get jaded, do you? Yeah, hanging out with Junior or Truex or talking <laughs> to Logano and those guys and hanging yeah. out in the ground. You do. You you begin to. It just becomes natural, and you don't you, you don't think it's anything special. And then you bring somebody in, and you look over at them, and they're standing there with eyes this big, and their mouths about half open. And it's like. Hey, this is pretty cool, man. Well, and it's good to not have the answers. Like, yeah. he asked a simple question, you know, yeah. why Hendrick, why one through four, why Dover? Yeah. Um, you, you know, I'm not sure they know the yeah. Magic Elixir. We surely don't. I'm not surprised they ran well, um, but I am surprised that they didn't have one weakling. Normally, yeah. somebody in the group kind of falls behind, but they were all very, very strong. Um, other big surprise finishes in the top ten. I mean, the race overall... Um, I won't say it had a lot of moments. It had a couple accidents, a, a great pit stop by Alex Bowman that we talked about. But the rest of the, the race didn't have a lot of moments. It, it, you had to have just decent cars, and there were a few teams that just surprisingly showed up. RCR had some good equipment. Yeah, uh, some I won't call them surprises. I think that's rude when you call a guy surprised that they've all of a sudden run well. But definitely guys I didn't expect to be quite as high as they were. I'd call it a surprise. Well, <laughs> you don't mind being a little rude. I like that. That's why we work so well together. No, no, no. Yeah, I think you have to when, – when, when a guy – doesn't really have something to, to, to pat himself on the back or to pump yeah. his chest about for four or five weeks, and then they show up, it is a surprise. Um, I, I think we've seen glimpses of what RCR could do. I think we've seen glimpses of what Trackhouse could do, um, of what you know 2311 could do, what some of these teams can do, but we just see a glimpse of it, and then it fades, and we don't talk about it when the race is over with because they don't finish it out. Uh, but we saw some stuff. I think yeah. at Dover where we did see it finished. Well, let's do this. Let's take a let's take a call. Who do you think is the first caller? Um, from Cincinnati, Ohio, or from Ohio? <laughs> oh, come on, Carl. <laughs> oh, we had Bass Carl on, but he's gone. Oh, he'll come, no maybe way. Maybe he'll come back. Something happened. I hung up on him or something. I jinxed him. So, you did. so, so back to the conversation uh, about Richard Childress racing. Yeah. So, I think what they're doing is very interesting. Um, you know. Track outs racing with with Daniel Suarez. Those guys are you know they're embedded with Richard Childress racing. We already know colleague. They're yeah. going to go Cup racing, right? Richard Petty Motorsports. They're right there, yeah. in welcome North Carolina. Little hub of racing happening yeah. right there in that industrial complex where RCR is. I, you know, the one thing I say about Richard Childress, I think this is a huge compliment. He finds a way to adapt. Yes, he does. Think how many teams have gone out of business in the amount of time he's done it. I mean, he finds a way to adapt. And if you look at going into next year, there's a lot of racing that could yeah. be coming out of that industrial complex in Welcome, North Carolina. Yeah, you know, when I, I, and I, I go way back. So I go to Bud Moore, to Junior Johnson, to Petty Enterprises, to the Wood Brothers, and Richard Childress started in the late 60s right along there with him. He's still standing, still winning, still running, still evolving. The track house deal... And you, you talk about being embedded is a totally different model than we've seen. It's, it's a little bit different than anything that's come down the pike from some of this stuff. So he's constantly evolved and changed, um, and he's willing to. I think that's yep. one thing that you've got to say about Richard Childress is he's willing to change to survive. He's willing to change to move forward. So many owners and so many teams haven't been, and they're not here anymore. That's right. Um, so if you are willing to, 
then you're headed in the right direction. And I think what we saw with, with Austin Dillon, what we're seeing with Tyler Reddick on almost a weekly basis, mm -hmm. um, those guys are headed in the right direction and on their way back. Is it going to happen instantaneously? No, it doesn't. We know it doesn't in this sport. Uh, it, takes, it takes a couple of years. It takes a few years. But I think they're, that little area may become the area that we talk about the way we once did. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. So we, I connected. I put the spliced the wires back together. Oh, so okay. we got NASCAR okay. with us. NASCAR, what did you see from Dover? Uh, I've seen a whole lot of Hendrix is what I've seen. Um, <laughs> uh, but, no, seriously, um, the best three, Gibbs, uh, Penske, and Hendrix, um, all had the majority of their cars win. So rank them for me, guys. Who do you think – rank rank the three teams that have been the best for me this year and your thoughts on, on each team and where they're at right My now. My man here was in deep thought, so let's I, go well, to well, I was I trying mean, to hear. He was, he was just looking, man. He was there. So he wants us to rank what now? The, the uh, Gibbs, Penske, Penske Hendrick, and Hendrick. Uh, simple, man. I'll go with wins. Uh, Gibbs is leading with five. Hendrick, I think, is right behind with four. Uh, Penske's behind them with um, three, I think. So I, I'm an old-school guy. Wins are where it's at. Um, I think Gibbs was the strongest earlier. Hendrick has been strongest late. But I do believe at any point, at any week, any of those three yeah. cars. I would say Gibbs and Hendrick are a little bit ahead of Penske. Um, Penske, I might give the nod at the 750, the, the short track stuff. But on any of the bigger tracks, I go Gibbs and Penske. And, and, and off that question, I'm going to say, uh, excuse me, Gibbs and Hendrick. Truex. I don't know where Truex was at Dover. That was my shock yeah. of Dover. Oh, I yeah. was more shocked oh. at the disappointment of the 19, Jeff, than the improvement of Hendrick Motorsports getting all four in there. Because, I, look, I'm not saying he had to win, but my, yeah. my man in 19 finished 19th. I mean, I would have lost that bet for sure. Yeah. That's his hometown track, too. Yeah. <laughs> one of eight. We had that conversation. Yeah, so, yes. I was shocked about that, too. You know, I, when, when going back to NASCAR, I, I, I think that Hendrick has been the most consistent. So if yes. I, when I look at teams, I look at the best car and the worst car. Yeah. Right? And, and I, so when I look and I think, where are, they, where are the best to the worst, where do they run? I got to say that Hendrick, I think they're the most consistent, top yeah. to bottom. Yeah. If that's uh, how you're scoring, you get my vote. For yeah. sure. Yeah, the, for the, sure. The weakest yeah. Hendrick car is better than the weakest Gibbs or weakest Penske yes. every week. Yeah. Consistently. Every, every Consistently. Every that's yep. the way I see yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a better way to put it, I, I, I think. You know, and, I, and you're right. Old school, you just go straight off wins. But if you look at, if we just took the, average, took the finishes and averaged them, then the Hendrick guys yeah. move, move to the top. For sure. So, this way, I'm not great um, at math, but one yeah. through four, they're going to win yeah. the average the, finish. The, the Penske guys seem to have one and a half cars yeah. every week. That's pretty good. And, and one of them finishes, but the other one falls back, and the other one, we didn't even know what happened to him. You know, we saw it at Darlington with Brad yeah. and some of that stuff, and we just see it. I, I, I laugh. I, I laughed a little bit when you said that about Truex. Truex was struggling there forever and ever and was still running 11th, 12th, and 13th. Oh, right. You know, you know what I mean? Right. Which, tell, which tells you how good they really are mm -hmm. when they are off and, and complaining the way they were and they still just barely drop out of the top. Yeah, he finished a lot worse. But The one thing I'll say about the Penske guys is I'm waiting to see him back at full staff. Yeah. I know we haven't talked a lot about this, but uh, let's see. Paul Wolf was out this week because of lug nut violations. Jeremy Bullens has been out two yeah. weeks because of team protocol uh, I'm not sure of the details behind that. So, so my point is, you know, we could talk about communications yeah. and all this. Yeah. Even without practice, you want your crew chief there. So I'm yeah. waiting to see him get full staff, see how it goes. Um, not to mention we're heading to the road course world. Good point. Good well, point. We get we get to uh, we have Rudy Fugel coming on next, William Byron's crew chief. So Good. he's 
He's embedded it. At, uh, he's embedded. Yeah, he's embedded at <laughs> Hendrick. So we're going to ask him why Hendrick's been so good this year. Yeah. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, check out William Byron. Last 11 races, all top 10 finishes. Finished fourth at Dover. Uh, youngest driver at 23 years old to have an 11-race top 10 streak. He's getting it done, guys. William Byron, this is the William Byron we all, I think, expected to see. Uh, these things don't happen overnight, but William Byron is, this year, It's the dots have all gotten connected. And I think part of the reason for that is this guy right here, Rudy Fugel. Welcome to the show, Rudy. Hey, guys. Uh, appreciate you having me on. It's uh, this is pretty cool. Yeah, man. Thanks so, for coming on. Yeah, so, Rudy, listen, I'll jump right into it. I, I haven't got a chance to know you very well. Uh, you've made most of your living over in the truck side. I didn't spend a lot of time in the truck garage, and with this stinking COVID, I haven't been able to see you much in the garage area. Uh, but, man, you've made this transition um, from the truck garage to the cup garage into a powerhouse like Hendry Motorsports look absolutely silky smooth, like it was just meant to be. Um, how has it been so smooth? How have you made such an easy transition? Yeah, no, I'm just uh, blessed. A lot of things have gone right, you know, kind of walked in at the right time. I feel like the uh, the performance of the cars, the, the you know, just the, the whole product I have to work with is uh, really good. Um, Chad built a, uh, a great team to come in on. And, you know, so I got a bunch of great people um, working for me, great engineers, um, you know, great group of mechanics. Um, they're just they're just really really good. So I, I feel like our car product is good. Uh, William has gotten experience in the Cup Series. He kind of knows what he, a little bit more about what he wants. He knows I don't have to try to tell him how to how to go through a weekend like I did when we were truck racing. He uh, he kind of tells me what to what to expect. So um, that on top of um, just you know I think I think the transition of not having practice every week has actually helped me a little bit. And, and it can go either way, but it's helped me where. I just prepare, you know, for, for one setting, you know, mostly for the race. So, um, you know, and we still do well when we practice and, and getting ready to practice this weekend, but you don't have to do it every week. So you don't have to prepare a backup car. You don't have to have a practice plan, a qualifying plan every single week. You just have to do it occasionally. Listen, I, I know you worked with William in the truck series, uh, and you talk about it now in the cup series. I know you probably didn't just pick up where you left off the last time you guys worked together because, as you said, William's in a little bit different place. But was that part of the communication, the communication that you guys had before? Did that tone, did that, the words that he says, the, the phrases that he uses, did that help you make that transition and help him have confidence in you as you guys came together this year? 
Yeah, definitely. We have we have really good chemistry. You know what? What's great about it is we, we don't tiptoe around each other. We know exactly uh, how to talk to each other, and and if we have a problem, or if we or when we're doing well, or or, or when we're doing okay, and we don't want to just you know act like um, like yesterday. You know, we we had a shot to to win if we didn't have some issues and we're disappointed in running fourth you know we're happy for hms um but we're we're more po'd today than we have been in a while because we finished worse than we think our race car was so those things are are things that we can handle back and forth and we don't get mad at each other we 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 trust in each other i believe in him he believes in me and and we move forward no matter what so that that's great and that chemistry is just uh it's you know that you can't you can't say enough about it well, Mike Krzyzewski says you don't have time not to be honest. So that's a, that's a good example. Like that. right? so, like so, Rudy, we talk on this show all the time about how big of a change it is for a driver to go from Xfinity to Cup. And you're a, you're a crew chief that went from trucks to Cup. You've made it look easy, man. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I know it's not easy, but you've made it look easy. But explain to us how big of a change it is. No, it's it's huge um, when it comes to the the car standpoint because I really still don't know the cars as well as I want to. You know, I I, I built all those trucks from from scratch and designed the chassis all the way through all the setups and the arrow and everything, and and I haven't had a chance to do that here, so I don't have that experience. So that part is 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 a struggle as a crew chief because you're used to being able to know every part of it, and I'm still learning that part. So that's the most difficult part, but but you know, winning and running well and running well in the points and, and trying to win a championship is the same no matter what series it is. You know, it, there's more competition top to bottom as you go higher, but the, the path to doing it doesn't change. So um, that's how I've approached it. And I've leaned on my uh, my team and all the smart people at Hendrick Motorsports and Chevrolet and, and, and things have gone well. All right, Rudy, you talked about learning. You just mentioned Hendrick Motorsports. Um, I had a whole career there. I know how big and massive that place is. I heard earlier in the year you might have got lost a few times. Have you figured out all the buildings, what all the departments are, what all the people do? It can be over. There are people everywhere, I know. Yeah, it, it was huge. We, we, it was really cool today. We got to take a, uh, a picture with all four cars out there in front of the Heritage Center. Uh, Mr. H came in, and all the drivers were there, and uh, every – Every teammate was there, and it was a swarm of people that I haven't seen most of them. So um, I can't wait to get the masks off and get the, you know, hopefully soon and, and be able to meet these people and know their faces and uh, a little bit better. But, yes, it's, uh, it's still overwhelming. I think I've uh, officially been here for six months. Um, I know most of the places, but it's, it's huge. Like you said, it's, uh, it can be overwhelming. Okay, so this is – I'm going I'm to I'm throw this one out there. So now you guys are one win as an organization behind Petty Enterprises, yep. right? Okay, so you got to win one more to tie. Uh, how much of an internal competition will it be to win that one to break, uh, to break that record internally? Is that 24 team of William Byron going to be that team that sets the new standard? That is the goal. It's been it's been talked about since the off season, and now it's getting closer and closer. So. It's huge. It's got to be uh, some kind of brownie points to the boss. I feel like if uh, if you're the team to break it, so um, and and he's got a lot of nice things and, and ways to uh, you know just to make him happy is and be on that list is the one to do it is is huge. So we hope we're the one and we're trying really hard and working really hard to do it. Let me give you a little hit. You're gonna have to be in the picture either way. 
So if you got to be in a victory lane picture, you want to be the team that's in victory lane. Trust me on that one. You're going to have to go anyway. So you want to have yep. a good day, and you want to be the reason they're in victory lane. It's going to be fun regardless, but yeah. you're going to see that picture cool. a lot. That'll be cool. <laughs> Heck yeah. Yep. So, so what are you saying is if you don't win, fake the smile. Yeah, yeah. Just fake start it. practicing. You got to get the good smile going. Yeah. Sometimes you got to fake yep. it. Oh. Hey, Rudy, Rudy, thank you, buddy. Thanks thank for you, coming man. on, man. Yeah, man. Thank you Thanks. very much. That was a lot of fun. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Yeah, man. Good luck. I mean, what a start. He makes it seem like it's easy, and he has all the right answers, but not just winning, but you mentioned the consistency. I mean, so many very impressive drivers are, are in this series, and to do it with someone. We know William's talented. That's not yeah, the question. That's not, that's but not he's it. still so young that, that you can't imagine at some point over the ups and downs, you know, he's yeah. been able to a little bit coach him, a little bit call him, a little bit yeah. manage the race, whatever it's taking each week to kind of get that car into the top ten. It's interesting that he recognizes that this time with William is different than the first time. Yeah. But the communication and how they communicate with each other – was still there. So that, to me, that, that's interesting. William has matured uh, as a driver, and obviously, he's in the right place. Man, been there six months. Yeah, I've been here six months. What are you done? I don't know. Rattled off 11 top 10s and won a race? Yeah, we, I'm not really done much. Well, listen, what do you say? He goes, he's directed to, to William. I almost said, I was like, well, he had Chad a year ago, and I love a man, Chad, but he's pretty direct, so I think you, you kind of ease yeah, right in. It's yeah. been a perfect mix. Well, Rudy, Rudy is, uh, you know, that was... You know, I, I, I got kind of an inside look at KBM when, when Harrison drove there. And Rudy mm -hmm. was involved in everything. Yeah. And he said that. He, he designed the chassis. Yeah. He did yeah. all the aero stuff. Like, he, you know, so what a change, right? Huge so change so when him. you walk into Hendrick Motorsports, like, you're not walking in there and yeah. saying, oh, you know what? We want to move these bars. We want to do, like, no, <laughs> yeah. no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. Right? That's not going to work like yeah. that. I give Rudy a tremendous amount of credit. Now, by, behind the scenes, we don't know how hard it's been on Rudy not being able yeah, to be in complete right. control, but I give Rudy a tremendous amount of credit for staying in his lane, so yeah, to speak, and focusing system. on yeah. what it is he can and can't control. That's hard to do. Yeah. When you've been, because he really was. I mean, I know he's a crew chief now, but, you know, he the only person he worked for was Kyle. Yeah, right. And honestly, if Rudy said, do this, I think Kyle would have done it. Yeah. But now he has more people he's got to answer to. And obviously, obviously, he's done a great job yeah. managing that. Yeah, because all, we all know and have worked with people who they're free range. They do whatever they want to do. But you put them in a cage, they can't survive. You put them in a lane, they can't survive because you, you, you tie their legs together. You tie their yeah. wings together. Obviously, Rudy has understands where his lane is, understands the tools that he has, um, and has taken those tools and made something out of it. That, that is, that's incredibly hard to wrap your head around when you've been used to doing everything. Yeah, and humble. Him and William, um, I was able to spend some time with William a week ago at a charity event, and him and William both, you know, I haven't spent as much time around Rudy, but you wouldn't think, William, he's still just an easy going. Like, you have no idea. I'm like, no, man, you're kind of like a big deal. And he's like, no, nah, no. Nah. I'm like, no, I mean, you're, you're when, kind of a big when deal. When you're talking to William, you keep waiting for him halfway through the conversation to go, oh, the bus is here. I got to go to school. I, I mean, he's right, just, right, right, I mean, right, it's right. like almost that weight, but he's such a good guy. Just such a nice kid. Let's, let's change, let's change Henrik Motorsports gears a little bit. Greg Eyes. Yeah. I mean, I would say that Greg Ives is one of those crew chiefs that probably has, on social media in today's world, taken more hits than most, right? Think he was, yep. he was Dale Jr.'s crew chief, so when Dale yep. Jr. didn't win, it was his fault. It was Greg's fault, and, yes. And, you know, that guy has had to be pretty resilient. And, and to see him winning, and by the way, Hendrick Motorsports sticking with him. 
Yeah. Yeah. Right. Sticking with him, saying we know this guy can do it. We know it. now he and Alex seem like they're you know they are connected, yeah. doing a good job. I, I, I you know, I, people that are tough. Yeah. Like I have a lot of respect for people that are tough and can withstand. And three guys done a really nice job. You know, we we have to remember it wasn't maybe three years ago that we were like, man, where did they go? Yeah. Where did the powerhouse go? Right. They weren't winning races. Jimmy Johnson couldn't get the victory lane. They, they always seem to find a win here or there, but never had the consistent dom dominance that they once had. Greg Ives was there through all that, those ups and downs. Um, and Rick Hendrick has basically kept the whole band together, right? Now Kyle Larson's a little yeah. new, but only because Jimmy yeah. retired. Nobody was fired. Yeah. You know, Rudy Fugel's new, but only because Chad Knauss was promoted. Yeah. I mean, no one was let go. So, so he's really taken the same pieces to the puzzle they had for the last few years in the downtimes. And they have circled the, you know, Mr. Hendrick, one of his famous quotes is, you can never destroy a company from the outside. The only way to tear it down is from the inside. Yeah. And he proved in some of the toughest times for Hendrick that he believed in the people around him and coached them, steered yeah. them, whatever had to be done. Uh, and here they are with many of the same people, even though yeah. some are in different directions. Now at the top, one through four, never been done at HMS. And there's, you know, very few things that the place hasn't done. So th this, and listen, I'm on the outside looking in. Is that my phone or yours? No, that's mine. <laughs> okay. My computer, right. actually. Yeah, my, I'm sorry, mine. So I'm on the outside looking in, and you know more than, than, than anybody sitting at this table. Um, but when I hear you speak, and I listen to what Jeff says, and we say Greg Eyes, we say Rudy Fugel, we say William Byron, we say Alex Bowman, we go to Chase Elliott, mm -hmm. um, we, we go all the way through. Every one of those guys has Rick Hendrick's hand on his back. Yeah. Right here. I'm with you. I'm with you. And I don't think we see that from a lot of other owners. And I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying anything bad about them. But these seem to be people that Rick really believes in. And they're there because Rick really believes in them. And you know, and they know that. You know what I mean? So it's not, yeah, you know, I'm an owner and, hey, you hire this guy. Or you do that. No, 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 no. This yeah. is a Rick deal, mm -hmm. and, and it's got his fingerprints all over this team. Yeah. And that, that's what's impressive to me when you watch these guys, because these are guys that he almost did this, yeah. this, oh, yeah. and this, and come on, let's go do it. And the discipline to say, he's my guy, Yeah. and today didn't look good, but tomorrow is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the we'll discipline and the confidence, yeah, the confidence to stick with yeah. the plan. How many times do people build yeah. a plan and do, oh, it's not working, yeah. blow it all up. Blow he's it up. stuck with the plan. Yeah. Right. Through, through tough times. Right. Through Impressive. tough times. Right. So uh, race, we're talking about race winners. So Indy winner left from last weekend. Uh, Renus BK, he's going to join us when we come back. Cool story, man. This guy, he's fun to watch drive. He gets right after us. It's going to be fun talking to him. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Rena's VK. He's not even as old as his number. Mum and Dad are as nervous as anybody here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. He's going to be the third first-time winner from five races. Look at the family pride. Renus Vikan wins the GMR Grand Prix in Indianapolis. All of the sacrifice that Mum and Dad put in to get to this level. I'm over the moon. It's just the perfect day. I'm, uh, I don't know what to say. It's, it's amazing. Get used to the name, Renus VK. Yeah, My man it. can drive, is aggressive, fun to watch. <laughs> man, winning your first race has to feel absolutely amazing. Oh, it feels it feels uh, more than amazing. Uh, it's uh, it's a new feeling to me, but it's it's insane. Uh, of course, yesterday was an awesome day, and you know, I I said finally when I crossed the finish line. But uh, you know, it's been pretty pretty quick to get my first win. Serena, I want to I want to talk to you about having your parents there. You know, you kind of raced all over the world, but to have the opportunity to race at Indianapolis Motor Speedway and then have your parents in town at the race with everything that's gone on with COVID and motorsports, I mean, how special was it to not only win at that location, but to have your biggest supporters, your family there sharing with you? Yeah, it was amazing. The whole setting together, uh, of course. Uh, I won my first race here in Indianapolis, uh, the home circuit of the team. But also, yeah, my parents were there and just, I don't know why, but everything was just perfect about it. So it was a nice, nice win just because of good pace. So best way I could ever, ever think about it. Okay, listen, I, I want to go back to the victory celebration. And, and Lee Diffie said it, not me. Uh, you're not as old as your number. But when they were spraying the champagne, you appeared to have your mouth open. Was that legit champagne? Because you're not 21 years old. What did you have in your bottle, man? So in my bottle, there was grape juice, sparkling grape juice. But uh, yeah, I just, you know, I thought I love it was awesome. Enjoyed the moment. So, hey, one of the things we do on this show is we like to have callers call in, Rena. So we've got Ray on the line. He may have a question for you. Ray, what do you have? Hey guys, how you doing? Hey, uh, Renus, uh, you you came over to, to the U.S. and you've run in all the Road to Indy uh, series. You've won in each series. I'm just curious, how does a driver, you know, you came over from Europe and you started from basically the bottom of the ladder system. You don't see many guys do that. When did that come on your radar, and uh, how has that you know transition been? And why why didn't you go like the European route? Um, well, very good question. Um, I actually became uh, Dutch champion in go-karts in 2013. Then I was um, going to do the world championships in go-karting in, uh, in New Orleans. So I met some people there, did a go-kart championship again in 2015 until I got scouted by Simon Pagino to uh, do a USF 2000 test. And then, you know, I saw the Master Road to India. I saw that... Uh, that's open up and yeah, I saw an opportunity, I took it and now I'm here as a race winner in IndyCar. Venus, I think, you know, your pathway leads to me this next question. Um, you, much like some of the other winners we've seen in IndyCar, are so young, uh, most of them under 24, you're only at 20 years old. 
explain what is happening. Like, I've watched motorsports my whole life, and we've always touted the young up-and-comers, but it seems like every series, every year, you know, they kind of get beat up by those veterans. But this year, you see Polo, we see Herta, uh, you know, Dixon I'm going to pick on as the old guy. Now, granted, at 40 and, and a multi-time champion, he's the one everyone's shooting for. But then Pato Award and yourself, what is it about this year, this season, this car, or, or just the opportunity that we've seen this wave of young winners? Um, well, I think there's just a uh, new generation coming up. I think it's great. And uh, yeah, the level in IndyCar is just so high between all the drivers. Uh, I think it's just very, very tight. And um, the cars are just very, very similar. You know, I was fighting with Dilcoin, with Penske, with Ganassi. There's so much, so many different teams and, you know, everyone's got a chance to win. So that's, that's amazing. Listen, I, I know you're young, but I'm, I'm going to go with the old guys with Dixon. And uh, this is what I want to know. Youth versus the veterans. Tell me about the pass where you split, uh, you passed Jimmy Johnson, you split him in the 10 car. That's a youth move. That's not like, uh, that's not an old man move. That's a, that's a youth move, man. Yeah, well, I saw, uh, I saw Jimmy, uh, you know, they both came out of the, out of the pit lane with cold tires. And I know you cannot push the brakes too hard with cold tires. So um, I saw Alex defend um, and Jimmy kind of stay out of the way. And I saw a nice clear path between, which uh, it looks wider in real life. Uh, but uh, it looks very <laughs> camera. So, um, you know, always when I get out of the car, I think, how did I do that? But now when I'm driving, it just it goes by itself. My body just, you know, my mind just picks its opportunities. That, that's that's why drivers <laughs> get into wrecks, right? He said it looked wider in real life. I've used like, that right? excuse a million times. It looked like a bigger <laughs> hole in real life. I'm sorry, it looked bigger. That's <laughs> optimism, man. That's optimism. Speaking. Job, that's how man. that works. Good job. Good answer. So, hey, uh, Marvin, Marvin's on the line. I think he has a question for you. Hi, Renus. How are you today, buddy? I'm doing very well. How about you? I'm doing very well, man. First of all, congratulations on a heck of a great drive on Saturday. You drove the wheels off of that machine. But we're getting into qualifying on Saturday, and my question for you is, where would you most likely like to be qualified in? Like maybe the top five or maybe possibly even the pole uh, position if you're, you're lucky. Um, well, as far, possible, uh, as far uh, forward as possible, of course. So, um, pole position, definitely. I would love to put an ACR car, uh, just a pole position for the 500. That would be amazing. So, so we, yeah, I was going to say, we're looking at the schedule now. Practice starts on Tuesday. I'm actually making the trip up, Venus. I'm going to come up on Thursday, watch practice on Friday. You get a bunch of time on the big oval now with qualifying on the 22nd. Uh, then I think it's the fast nine again on the 23rd. Um, no offense. You know, the great thing about racing is, Winning was last week, and now you're moving into the biggest, <laughs> yeah. uh, the biggest race of the year, the biggest spectacle in motorsports, Indianapolis 500. So just give us the nerves, give us the anticipation, give us the excitement of what it's going to be like when you get the car on the track, off the road course, on onto the oval, leading up to qualifying day. Yeah, that's going to be uh, very exciting. Of course, you have a few days to uh, to get used to the car, get used to set up, and uh, do all that stuff. But I think you know, coming there for qualifying with fans being there. You know, which is going to be new for me compared to last year. Um, I think it's going to be, you know, just a uh, very powerful feeling. And I think you kind of feel like you can take on the world uh, as an IndyCar driver. So 
that will be awesome and uh, I'm very very excited and I'm sure ECR will have a great car for me so uh, just got to stay flat for four laps that's about it so, so Rita, I got a question for you about the race. It looks to me to be extremely difficult in traffic. Like the, the aero balance completely changes for every position you get in. How do you get yourself ready for that? Um, well, you know, in all the practice days, of course, we have uh, quite a lot of time on track with uh, before the Indy 500. So you, we have a special qualifying setup and a race setup, which is a lot different. So. Um, you know, you really set up the car for that and practice a lot. And at one point, when you get your timing right, you can get into a rhythm. And, you know, once you get that rhythm, you, you can get the timing on and get good runs and pass people. So uh, it's never easy. You're always going to, you know, get the timing off a few times. But I think uh, I learned a lot compared to last year. did a lot of training in the sim and learned a lot in Texas a few, uh, few weeks ago. Well, buddy, congratulations. It was fun to yeah. watch. I mean, it's always great to see a first-time winner, new winner. I'm sure there's more to come. Uh, keep it up, man. We'll be watching you all during the, the, the weeks at Indy. Yeah. Thank you very much. Very excited. Good luck, man. Good luck. Yeah, for what, sure. What a, what a fun. I mean, that, that guy, when you watch him drive, man, he gets after yeah. it. I mean, he is very aggressive. Uh, you know, goes where maybe you shouldn't, yeah, maybe. you know, <laughs> but that's youth, right? I have so many young drivers, that's what they do, but very, I, very talented. I'm fascinated that we're talking to him, he's talking about winning the karting championship in 13, 13, same year as Jimmy Johnson was winning the cup championship. Oh, yeah. so, you know what yeah. I mean? And they're out there. Um, that's what a great year in IndyCars. What a, what a great year to yeah. watch the, this youth movement and watch Dixon and watch Jimmy Johnson, watch some of these other guys. Uh, as their careers start coming to an end, but you know how healthy this sport is. Yeah, and for me, it's it's the upcoming two weeks, the month of May. Oh. I mean, the Indianapolis 500. And what I want to see is we have seen the youth, uh, the pace, and the the aggressiveness pay off for the young drivers. Will it be aggression in the Indy 500, or will it be the Wiley veteran kind of taking his time? Picking, you know, you think yeah. about Dixon. Yeah. You got Elio back in the field. You got Montoya. You got some some big names, but you can't say that you know Herda's not going to have pace or VK's not going to have pace. Yeah. So there's this mix heading into the Indy 500. For yeah. me personally, um, 500 miles is just different, right? Indy yeah. doesn't run a lot of 500, or the Indy series doesn't run a lot of 500 yeah. mile races, and it's it, be interesting. It is, but this is one of those years that 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 you'll look back on, as you as yep. you mentioned Montoya, as you mentioned Dixon, as you mentioned some of these guys. And then you say Herta and VK. And it's that transition from this guard, from the old guard, yeah. to the new. And then in another 15 or 20 years, we'll have these guys and we'll be yeah. saying, remember VK? He's, he's old, man. He's, he's well, well, he, he mentioned you know I mean? it. It's, that, it's just that transition time. Yeah. And we're seeing it in this sport on its biggest stage, Indianapolis. Well, and you mentioned the stage, fans. Yeah. Takuma Sato, uh, last year, second time to win the 500, but it was so eerie with the empty stands yeah. and everything. It's going to be, I read uh, today, the biggest sporting event since the return of COVID will be the Indy wow. 500. So it's going to be a spectacle for sure. Yeah. And you'll be on the pit box during the race? And me and Jimmy with... Johnson, we're going to be down there for qualifying. We're going to be down there for both days of qualifying. And then me and Jimmy are heading back up. The IndyCar rookie, Jimmy, the NASCAR rookie myself. <laughs> uh, and we're going to help cover the Indy 500. I've never been to one in person. Yeah. So I am absolutely pumped. Yeah, cool. But cool. it, it, what I like about the Indy 500 so much is you, and it, what I love about racing so much is you never know what's going to happen. No, and no. the Indy 500, like you said, it, it gets them out of their comfort zone. It's such a long race. Yeah. He, he, VK mentioned Texas. 
they got some draft and practices. Texas, Texas like ain't this. like Indy, yeah. no, right? I mean, it's just no, completely it's different. And, and yeah, just, we know that. there's no place like Indy, and it's their biggest race of the year. And I think yeah. that's, that's what makes it so special. I went to Carb Day two years ago, and Kyle, it took me like 10 laps to get my brain to understand what I was seeing. These yeah. things are so they fast. Roll. When they come, when you I'm stand used to down cup there, cars. Yeah, cup cars, and you stand down there and <laughs> one, and they come through there. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's like somebody driving into your driveway at 750 yeah. miles <laughs> oh, yeah. and trying to park. Dale Jarrett, he looked at me and like, did you see that? I saw that. I can't believe it, man. It's crazy. What's really funny is you get a bunch of cup guys around. Like, would you do that? Yeah, no, yeah, right. right. No way, man. No well, way. We want you guys to call into this show. We love having fans. Be sure, you know, there's a number on the screen. Give us a call. We'll be back in just a minute. Bring us some good questions. We'd love to spend some time with you. What's the one question you're afraid they're going to ask? Got to oh. be one. Anything's directed to <laughs> Kyle. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. We're back to playoff leaderboard after Dover. You see all the guys in yellow. They are race winners. They're locked into the playoffs. Started Denny Hamlin in 11th. They only take 16. It's getting tight. Tyler Reddick with a really good race on, uh, on Sunday. Gained him some points. Got himself in there. Matty D with not a good race. Lost some points. Guys, we're in the home stretch. It's a lot of races left, but we're in the home stretch. For these playoffs, it's going to get it's going to get more and more intense. I mean, yeah, there's six seats left on points. I, I can't see um, Harvick even. Perhaps he might not be at complete form. I can't see him not winning. Can't see Chase not winning. Can't see Denny not winning. Um, not to mention the road courses. I know we expect Truex and Chase to be good. Yeah. But you know, things can still happen. We haven't seen rain, weather. I mean, we could get a rain race. <laughs> we can go to Kona and it could rain, oh, and we could have a rain race. I mean, we we don't know. Um, if your name's not in yellow, you can't be feeling yeah. great with 13 races left. No, you, you can't be. I mean, let's go back to when we talked about Kyle Busch. When's he going to win? When's he going to win? And right. we can talk Denny Hamlin, and we can talk Kevin Harvick all you want to, but the fact is, when are they going to win? When are they going to win? You know, we expect them to win, but we expected Kyle Busch. We've expected others to win in the past, and, and it just never came to fruition. So we look at that, and we constant, we start focusing on it two or three races in but it really starts to hone in that 16th place. And we talk about it more than we talk about the guys on the other side, the guys yeah, right. that are in yellow a lot of times. Um, and it's going to get tough right there. It is going to get tough because these guys are going to have, just like you said, Reddick has a good race, DiBenedetto has a bad mm -hmm. race, and it's going to ebb and flow. So it's going to be, you got to get, you, you got to get a W at some point in time to be, to feel comfortable. If you're anywhere, if you're 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, whatever it may be, you can't feel too comfortable. If you're 16th in points right now, that's no. not going to do it. No, that's not that's, it. I don't think that's, that's going to do it. You're going <laughs> to have to be better than that. Yeah. So we asked for guys to call in. We got Chandler. 
Channel, what do you want to talk about? All right. Um, so, guys, my question is, um, we all know we're coming to Circuit of Americas in the weekend. And my question to you guys is, do you think Chase Elliott might have a shot to win Circuit of Americas? Like, you know, last year when he won the Daytona Road Course, it, it was a place that he's never ran at, and he yeah. won the race. So what what do you guys expect? out of him if, does if he, he have can he win yeah, it yeah that, listen that was a long way to get to the question does he have a shot yes he's got a shot was that rude i apologize no, direct, direct direct okay so here's the thing i think if we went out here in the parking lot and set up cones and called it a road course chase elliott has a chance to win yeah. he has shown that for whatever reason and wherever his training or however his mind works he is a road course racer at, at heart uh, I, I watched him in the 24-hour race. We were both down there. He got better and better every stint he went out. The more he got used to the car, he understands a cup car. Now, this is a very technical course, okay? But he is a technical driver. Yeah. He doesn't overdrive. He doesn't underdrive. He hits his marks. We saw him when they, when they came out with the Roval. Everyone talked about that infill course and, and making time. He made time where no one else was making time that first year. He made time where no one else was making time in, in the infill. So I, I, th I think it's, as we look at Chase, the new road courses, along with the old ones, just adds fuel to what's a fire that's already burning because he's going to be tough everywhere we go. Yeah, I mean, I, of course he has a chance. I think um, it's, he's not the runaway favorite um, as much as perhaps his number says he should be, Jeff. But I think that he's going to be in contention. He's going to be one of the top three, four, five guys. I'll be honest, um, new circuits are the hardest for me to analyze until I see cars make laps. I'm excited yeah. to see practice because I have seen racing at Coda, but never a stock car. Yeah. Uh, how the, how's the curbing going to work? How are they going to race it? We're going to have to wait and see. Yeah. I, you know, the thing to me about Coda is, you know, looking at a track map, Coda has every kind of racetrack in it that yeah. you can imagine, yeah. right? Uphill, downhill, long sweeping turns, very, very short turns, long straight, short straight. Like, yeah. Like there's so much there, I I, I don't know. Like I, I I yes, I think Chase Elliott would be the betting man's favorite. Yeah. But maybe this. I mean, I, I've never seen a track no. like this before. Well, so let's talk about. Like you've raced at the Glen and Sonoma, right? So the Glen and Sonoma, are the ones that everybody has the most races at. Going to the Glen, I can tell you, man, listen, yeah. you got to be good in the yeah, carousel, and you got to be good in the breaking zones and yeah. one and three. Right? Going to Coda, I look at the track map, I'm like, well. I don't know where you need to be good. Where do you have to defend? Where can you overtake? Yeah. I just don't, I think we can kind of hypothesis where it needs to be, right? But we don't really know. But, but, I, but I, think, I think it's, it's when you drive, if I watch a Formula One race, if I watch an Indy race, if I watch a sports car race at Coda, it does not relate and translate to a cup race. No. John Andretti and I ran sports cars at Watkins Glen. I'd never driven around Watkins Glen like that in my life. <laughs> and I'd been up there driving a cup car a million yeah. times but I never run as deep, I never broke, would break as straight, turn in as late. You just couldn't, you could do it with a sports car, but you couldn't do it with right. a cup. So even though we've seen races there, it's a different style of racing. The first time I went to Canada to race a road course up there, I watched the F1 races. I'm yeah. like, yeah, man, I'm prepared. And I got out there, I'm like, this isn't track. the racetrack I yeah, watch. Right. Different racetrack. They go so fast yes. and they drive so differently because their car, it, it completely messed me up. I'd have been yeah. better off not watching anything. That's right. Just feeling it as you as you went, and that that's the same thing that I experienced running with John, running the, the sports car up there. So it's going to be interesting 
as we talk about it, and so many people have talked about Coda being a technical track, how untechnical yeah, right. or unsophisticated the cup guys may make it look at some point in time. Isn't it exciting though going to a oh, yeah. racetrack? It, like there's an environment, the, the, the atmosphere, the energy, it's just so much fun going yeah. to a new racetrack. It really yeah. is. The yeah. new restaurants. Man, yeah. I'm always up at the new restaurants. We're going, we're talking racing. My we're man's going talking down restaurants. Austin. There's going to be a bunch of places He's to on eat. that five mil, five mil a day program. Well, He's only eating Yeah, I'm going to Indy though. He's I know the restaurants food there. right now. Hey. I know the restaurants there. In three days, that's 15 restaurants. That, that's true. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's, true, man. that's what I'm saying. You got it going on, man. Uh, uh, all yeah. through downtown Indy this weekend. Listen, a whole different group of fans are going to come out at, 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 yeah, that are going right. to be at Coda than what we usually see at Texas. So they're going to have the old, older fans there, but we're going to impress some new guys, I hope. So down, the uh, Dale Jr. download, Andy Petrie is on. Andy Petrie is going to have some great stories. Some. Some that he told he probably shouldn't have told. <laughs> That's right? for sure. Right? That's for sure. But but it's going to be interesting. Yeah. I can't wait to listen to that. Andy yeah. Petrie has a long history in this sport. One of the, in my opinion, one of the underappreciated guys yeah. in this sport. That he really made some things happen. It's going to be fun to listen yeah. to. Thank you guys for joining us. Mondays and Wednesdays. Check us out. Fun to have you on the show today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed. Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.